0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Jupiter, Florida. Welcome to the show, Peter Badger.
1: Thank you, Victor. Pleasure to be here.
0: Great to have you here. Well, Peter, you and I share a similar technology background, and while we could geek out On all of that, it would probably not be very interesting for our listeners, but why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey in the world of real estate investing?
1: Yeah, I mean, my story is simple. I spent 18 years on Wall Street, most of the major investment banks as a tech guy, um, building sales trading research systems. I then parlayed into a Silicon Valley career, just like you, Victor, ended up um, creating my own company. Uh, enterprise software went through the full VC funding, Series A, Series B, finally got acquired by Citrix Systems in Santa Clara, California. And only then did I focus full-time on investing. And uh, you know, the question was, how do you keep the money that you went through that arduous startup journey? Um, how do you keep it and grow it for yourself and your future generations, your family?
0: I love that. I love that. You know, there's a lot of wealth that's been created in technology, but it's it's one of those things where you say, uh, you know, I hope to win the lottery when I grow up, because that's really, it's really like that. The, the companies that not only succeed from a technical standpoint, but even from a commercial standpoint, are few and far between, because by the time you become medium-sized and you become, uh, you get on the big, the big player's radar, now you become a target. Those medium-sized companies are the most vulnerable, and uh, I see so many of them fail at that medium size.
1: That's right. Now, I think the key is strategic partnerships and put yourself in a position to be acquired. You know, it's one in a thousand, as we know. Yeah. Um, people always hear the success stories. And the reality is, is that a lot of people are out there toiling day after day and never quite making it. And um, it's a high failure business, frankly.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. So you moved into the world of real estate investing. And one of your specialties, which I'm quite intrigued to talk about, is farmland. And I know you invest in multiple arts and classes. Why don't you give a little bit of... Your perspective on farmland and what is special about that, and we're you know active in that space as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me the key was going through and um, understanding which asset classes were most efficient to invest in. And so I went through and bought twenty four single family homes. Realized that it was very expensive to maintain them. Twenty four roofs, twenty four air conditioners. All the tenants, one tenant would leave, you'd lose all your income. You'd have six weeks of no income. Went into multifamily. That was even more efficient. And then I went into mobile home parks, and then you have no infrastructure at all. It's like a concrete pad with some utility connections. And then I met somebody, and they said, listen, Peter, the key to investing is farmland. And I said, why is that? They said, because you basically plant a crop, hopefully a permanent row crop, a tree, coconut, citrus, you know, mango, avocado. You then wait five years for it to grow some fruit, and then it actually... Uh, produces that produce for 20, 40, 60, 80 years straight. There's no tenant leaving. There's no roof to replace in that period. You have different risks in farming, but generally it is an asset class which is not correlated to anything in the public markets, to not anything related to the real estate market cyclical. This is basically an asset class of its own right. Choose a high value premium crop, plant it, wait three, four, five years, and it'll produce money into multiple generations.
0: I don't know if this number is accurate. Someone told me once that depending on the crop, Mother Nature will compound, just through natural growth of the crop, will compound that particular species, whatever it might be, at a rate of about 15% on an annualized basis, which if you consider that against an interest rate, that's actually a pretty decent rate of return.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can give you stats all day long, Victor. I mean, I I think the stat I like to talk about is the fact that um, if you buy farmland um, overseas, because I'm going to be blunt about US real estate, you cannot make money in US farmland today. The land is too expensive. The labor is too expensive. Therefore, the key to making money in agriculture is to find high value crops grown overseas import them into North America and or Europe for the premium price. And that means you can actually get a very decent double digit return on a consistent basis for decades. Um, if you try and plant something in the US today, it's too expensive. The labor is too expensive to tend to the crop. And you know, you're know just not going to get the, uh, the arbitrage from a price standpoint uh, to make money along the way.
0: I have a couple of friends. One is a blueberry farmer in Chile. Another is involved in various citrus crops in Paraguay. Um, yeah. are, are these some of the geographies that you're focusing on or are there particular yeah, I, areas?
1: No, absolutely. Um, and the key obviously is um, all about the climate. So I think if you uh, went online, I mean, one of my themes today is just people should understand the data around anything they invest in. And not just trust the recommendation, but for a friend or a broker or somebody who's giving you a glossy marketing brochure. Um, The reason we focus on Central and South America in particular is because on the world map, they are the climates with the most sunshine and rainfall such that you can actually create the best produce for sale at the lowest cost possible.
0: I know friends that are very active in producing premium coffees in Panama and cacao in Central America and many, many other crops. And I, from everything that I've observed, and I'm not an expert in farming by any means, what you're saying absolutely rings true.
1: Yeah, and no, 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 I've experienced this because, um, you know, I've, I've invested in many farmland or agricultural business models in the past seven, eight years and and the, and the key for me i mean i can give an example from a data perspective right people say oh why aren't your farms in california you know san joaquin valley which produces more than 40 percent of the fresh produce for all of us in the u.s to eat well the reason is simple if you look at colombia where a lot of our farms are based in Valle de calca or other similar regions like kindayo we have 118 inches of rainfall every year san joaquin valley actually averages four inches. And so when you look at agriculture, it's like people say to me, oh, what about the water rights to rivers and aquifers under the ground? I'm like, we don't care. We don't even have to put irrigation pipes into these farms because there is sunshine and plentiful rain every month of the year. And that's what makes Latin and Central America regions such an incredible place to uh, grow produce and have agriculture as a whole.
0: So then I guess it's really offset by the cost of transportation to get the produce to market.
1: Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think the key actually is to avoid middlemen in the supply chain um, because what you'll what you'll see is if... It, so I like to say, so I'm in a company called Farmfolio. I like to say we're the Apple of agriculture because Apple, as a company, control the hardware, the software, the retail stores, the website, everything. They have the entire end-to-end supply chain. We do the same. We're not only operate and own the farms. We own the pack houses. We own the shipping and distribution up into Rotterdam, through Europe, up into Philadelphia port, through Eastern Seaboard. And we actually own the fruit sales and distribution business uh, to Walmart, Trader Joe's, Costco, Albertsons, et cetera. And I think the key, therefore, is that there are no middlemen taking a portion of that business of that entire supply chain um, throughout that journey. And that's the key to agriculture as well. Yes, there are all those costs if you ask somebody else to do it.
0: I've heard that many people in the in the supermarket supply chain are looking for the same product to be available essentially year-round. But of okay. course, one geography cannot produce that. So during a certain month, they'll source the tomatoes from, from New York State, and then they'll go and get them from Georgia, and then they'll get them from South America or from Central America, and then from South America, and basically rotate their way around the season, in order to provide that consistent supply on a, on a calendar year basis. How does that play into your strategy if you're supplying some of these major supply chains?
1: So we are very fortunate. In the case of Colombia, we have a very diverse climate and topology. And so most of our farms are at 1,100 meters in altitude, wow. mountainous. Uh, we have the perfect amount of sunshine in the mornings. To green the limes, we have perfect amount of rainfall in the afternoons to keep the crop healthy. We have the right soils. We actually have enough regions, topologies, and microclimates across Colombia. That's the reason why the coffee is so bountiful and premium there. So, so we can deliver limes and other citrus fruits twelve months per year. And so you're correct. One of our actually strategic advantages is we actually have fixed price fruit contracts throughout the year with the major retailers, and they like the consistency. We also have some of the most advanced packing machinery in Latin America. And so we have this like amazing machine that, you know, we drop all the produce off at the front. It gets washed a couple of times, waxed. It comes through this final hopper. It's weighed. And there's a little camera there, video camera, that actually takes photos of the fruits looking for spots, you know, um, imperfections. And ultimately, we can guarantee in the box of fruit that ends up on the supermarket shelf all the limes are a consistent emerald green and exactly the same size. Because people don't remember this, but 30 years ago, you used to pick out the biggest lime from the box in the supermarket. That doesn't happen anymore. the, the supermarkets want consistent size, um, consistent green, consistent taste, high sugar, You know, beautiful limes, and 12 months per year. So you're right, Victor, the key is providing that. And we have topographical and country advantage.
0: Amazing. So, if someone's interested in investing in farmland, is that something to do solo? Is that something to connect, uh, invest in a fund? What? How does someone learn more?
1: So, traditionally, people have been able to go to the public markets that either find some like you know ag-related uh, stocks in the chemical business, or they go down ETF, um, you know, or the normal mutual fund, or maybe a you know a land REIT. Frankly, I don't recommend that because it's the same as the public markets. It all comes up and down in tandem. Uh, So my true learning on my personal investment journey is to actually have titled farmland. And therefore, you actually have title to the land. You can control it. You know what's on it. And you can decide how long you keep the income from it. Uh, We see some private equity syndication type deals out there, uh, but generally, I mean, I can go on for hours about this. You'll meet many people who will offer up a private equity syndication opportunity in farmland. And I call it hope ag investing. Right. Because you're hoping that they will be able to raise the funds, find the right land, create a nursery, grow the saplings into trees, get the fruit, work out how to wash, pack, sort, transport it. And finally, the hardest part of the entire journey is those fruit contracts with the major retailers, uh, you're hoping over a six year period, as you wait for your returns, that it will have worked all of that stuff out. And in my experience, it's a very difficult thing to do. And so I actually invested with probably, I looked at probably 40 investments over the past six or seven years, I invested with four major providers who I did due diligence on and only one of them actually kept succeeding and that was Farmfolio. And after five years of investing every opportunity, I joined them in May this year uh, because I've now seen what they've done. And so what they did was they actually started with the end in mind. They reverse engineered farmland ownership. They built the pack houses, opened up the retail relationship with the major retailers in Europe and the US and Canada. Then they went back to the local Colombian farmers and said, listen, Colombian farmers, if you deliver your limes to our pack house, we'll pay you double- wash and sort them, sell them to the US and European markets. And they did that. And then once we understood which farms produced the best produce, we went back and now purchased those farms, break them into individual parcels, and off them out to retail investors like you and I, Victor, with a with a double-digit return. And so that's the key to it. We've removed all the farm development risk, which I suffered in all of those other hope ag investing syndications. And so now we as Farmfolio allow you to basically buy a parcel of land or multiple parcels of land, um, title in your name, an entity, LLC or IRA, and then we'll basically take management of the farm on your behalf. We have a farm manager versus a property manager. We'll send to our pack houses. We'll distribute the fruit to our salespeople to then sell to the major retailers in North America and Europe. And that's the key to this thing. We allow you to actually own participation in an agribusiness structure, the full supply chain. And that's what you won't find with most of these offerings outside of Farmfolio.
0: Fascinating. Well, folks want to connect if they want to learn more. What's the best way?
1: Uh, Farmfolio.net. Basically, my email address, if you want to contact me directly, is peter at farmfolio.net. And yeah, we're here to democratize farmland. Um, If you're looking for a whole farm or a parcel or multiple parcels, let us know, uh, because we've managed to uh, crack this business and ensure that we can actually provide a piece of land with the average of 220 Tahiti lime trees that produce income for decades to come.
0: I love it. Well, Peter, thank you for the perspective. It's a fascinating story. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Peter at farmfolio.net or by email directly at Peter at farmfolio.net. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.